this. Okay, folks, can you hear me and see me from the 1800s? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Let's have a look here. Mesa, Abida, Mahjabeen, Warda, it's awesome to see you. Come on, Mesa, don't be hating, man. You know you love that filter. Have a look at this filter, look. Now you can see from the size, that's fine. Yes, bro. Ah, okay. Is that that's what that's, that's yeah? That's 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 yes, bro. Mashallah. Come on, man, admit it. Nice. Right? Yes. <laughs> Purani film style, isn't it? That's, that's what it is. Right, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Salatu Wassalam, Ala Rasulillah, Wa Ala Alihi, Wa Sahihi, Wa Man Wa Ala, Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh, everybody, online and to our local uh, Dubai crowd, MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. Uh, we are just one or two minutes late, just uh, getting things ready. And now, I need to just get an idea of where we are, because... I think the last thing that I have... Is we did Abbath, we did Tarawah. Yep. Okay, good. Okay, good. All right, let's read the Arabic and then we will then do the English. So last week, what we did, let's read the entire chapter, Bab Sifat Salah. We're in the chapter of the prayer. We're specifically in the chapter of those things which are disliked in the prayer. That's what we did last week. Uh, so I think that's more than enough for today. So it is reprehensible, it is makru, it is disliked whilst praying to turn around, to look up to the sky, to close one eyes, to sit in the iqa'a fashion, to spread one's arm on the arms on the floor during prostration, to fidget about, to place one's hands on the hips, to fan oneself. This is all last week. To crack one's knuckles, to interlock one's fingers, to knead the toilet, to be in the presence of food he desires, and to repeat Al-Fatiha. So that is what we're going to cover, inshallah, today. Walaikum who wants, yani who agrees with Solange that we get rid of the awesome uh, filter? I love the filter, or should it just be normal? Well, you, huh? It's nice, isn't it? A little bit of change. So I'm gonna uh, see if uh, on or off. I'm gonna count. Hamza, man, what are you hating for? Uh, anyway, as you know, it's gonna be Baji Mesa who's gonna make the decision. Because Mesa is Amira, obviously, as you know. Naeem is on my side, wants a little bit something, Maza, something different, which is good. And, uh, yep, Aisha, well done. Mahjabeen, well done. Abide, Scotland, Zindabad, mashallah. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, you see? We've got enough votes, five votes. Most important, Mesa said, if you like it that much, then leave it. <laughs> and you know what actually has just confirmed that it's going to stay on? 
because it's just freaking out. Lutfu al-Rahman al-Chaudhri. Lutfi Lutz. She hates it and for that reason it's going to stay. Just for that reason. I mean, I thought that actually the deciding vote was going to go to Mesa because she's the most important, she's the power. She's the Amira, she's the queen. Magar, now I realize that just the fact that Lutz says, oh, for the love of God, then wallahi it stays on for the love of God. And let's drink to that. Bismillah. Mm. The Sunnah in Dubai, by the way, is this. MashaAllah, look at this. But because I'm a rock, I'm a rock, and sweets are bad. And this is going to be for you guys. And then maybe off camera, if I become like, you know, a piece of cotton wool, that's something else. But for now, yani, I'm going to be a rock. Nothing can. Lutz, yani, can now dream. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I'm so glad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made things easy for me and make it very clear. Right, folks, let's jump straight in. So last week, to summarize, because I know that most of you online, yani, were, no, not most of you, but some of you online were not going to be pay, paying so much attention. Last week, we did it like from Makkah. Very, very nice. Um, so, the um, main things that we spoke about yesterday or last week is the uh, spreading of the hands. And we said that the spreading of the hands and the arms like the dog does when it's sitting down is something which is makruh, not haram. Um, but some scholars, obviously, they did say haram and they, they linked uh, a lot of the scholars when they wanted to lift a issue from makruh to haram, they used the principle that anything that compares you to an animal is from the major sense. Or the only kind of uh, action that has a connotation of an animal, uh, being likened to an animal, uh, whether it's a donkey, whether it's a dog, whether it's the fox, and all of these are things which are mentioned in the uh, Quran and the Sunnah. So, Allahu A'lam, the point is, is that, that the majority of scholars consider this to be makruh. We said that, obviously, if there's a rush and there's lots of people, then all of the things become easy. So, if your arms then end up on the, the, the floor, then that's okay. Um, and in Abath, we spoke about yani, fidgeting and the fact that we've got to just respect the salah more, invest more time into understanding what we're saying, and then that's going to make people less likely than for their hearts to be fidgeting their hearts to be turning away. When the heart is, is connected, then the hands will follow. It's when the person is not connected and not following and not believing in it and not yani, interacting with it mentally, spiritually, then of course, the, the body and the scratching and the itching and the, you know, throwing from one side of the weight to one side to the other side and so on and so forth. That's when all of that happens. Um, then we talk, spoke about yani, the arrogance in the prayer. The prayer is meant to be a position of, of, of humility. Takhassur is when you put your things on the khasira, okay? And the majority of the scholars said that yani, when you put your hands on the hips. And when a person puts his hands on his hips, yani, you know, it's like when a person is kind of challenging someone. Like, and what are you going to do about it? Right? So you put your hands on your hips. So that yani, kind of approach, that kind of arrogance is something which is unacceptable in the prayer. So um, other scholars said that this takhassur is talking about ikhtisar. Something mukhtasar, summarizing. So they said that this is yani, the most makru is not actually this. No one ever did that. We never saw anyone do that. But actually, what it's referring to is being too summarized in the recitation, only reading one ayah from a surah. All right. So checking that. We already rejected that last week because we know in Sahih Muslim the Prophet ﷺ recited one ayah from Baqarah, one ayah from Ali Imran, 
in the Fajr of Sun of uh, of Salat al-Fajr, etc., etc. So we know that yani, that's not uh, the case. So well, inshallah, it means putting your hands on your uh, hips. Tarawuh, okay, is something which the scholars differed over. Tarawuh, in the translation, I've said to fan oneself. So the idea is that it's so hot so that you're fanning yourself. Uh, other scholars, remember Nawi and others, in, uh, yani some of them, they said that it is Okay, so he's referring to the leaning on the on one leg, um, you know, because you become too tired, and so on, and that's what's being referred to. And what Sheikh Uthameen says is that actually there's no real problem if a person does this, if if he's been standing for a long time. But what's not allowed is that you do it with uh, 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 the, 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 the one foot on the other. So you lift up the foot, for example. That's something which is unacceptable. Okay, so you put that, you put that foot onto the other one. Or when the, the feet are like this, and you put, you, you, you put the other foot forward and lean on that one. That's a very blatant lean. It's a disrespect position. Whereas, you know, when you are, your legs are exactly, your feet are in the exact same place, but your body weight is shifted onto the right or onto the left. That's something which is allowed if the prayer goes on for a long time. So that's something which is okay. All right. Um, thank you for, and you see that some of the people are saying that you're already vintage and old enough without adding the old vintage. Yani filter. See this kind of yani, uh, disrespect yani, I have to put up with. What I have to do is give a dars at flipping half past midnight, half past bloody midnight, yeah, just so that you can have a live experience, just so that Mesa will not yani, give. Mesa, if only you knew, Mesa, I want you to listen to me very carefully. The amount of people that said, well, why just record it? Just record it. There'll be more people that attend it. There'll be no technological challenges. There'll be no need to put the filter in to hide the poor quality of the stream because we have to do it on SD because I'm doing it off my mobile phone of my own yani, bill, phone bill of my data usage. They won't be able to see it because the filter will, you know, mask the poor quality. And you'll have more people and you can speak. But you know what, you know what I said? Yeah, no, Mesa will kick off. Mesa will say, yani, uh, Mesa will be, yani, why are you not doing it live? The dust is more important. We need to ask questions. And I said, okay. This is what I do for them. But what do I get back? Just hate. Just hate. Even I carry around a bloody pink tripod. Have you seen this tripod? I have to carry a pink tripod. Does anybody ever think about my Izzatian in these things? Not even a bloody black one or a white one. Pink tripod. Yeah, Mesa sounds amazing. Yeah, Mesa is amazing. Yeah, Mesa is the biggest headache ever. Mesa is a miracle. Mesa, mashallah, mashallah. Right, okay. So, what's the next thing? The فَرْقَعَةُ أَصَابِئِهِ Okay. أَيْ وَيُقْرَهِ يعني the فَرْقَعَةُ That he makes the فَرْقَعَةُ sound. Right? The cracking of the knuckles. Now, you might say that's because it's damaging to the uh, body. By the way, I think that's a myth. Yeah. That's what they used to say when we were young. It makes arthritis, whatever, whatnot. By the way, I still believe it does. I can't get it out of my head. You know when you, you told something as a kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's the one thing. I, I've, been telling, I've been told many things as a kid. That's the one that makes the most sense, Danny, until now. I know the rest were outright lies. But that one there, it feels like it's causing damage. But they said it's the gas and the whatever, whatnot. Okay. Air bubbles, air pockets, uh, this, that, whatever. So, you know, uh, anyway, of course, that's not the reason why it is disliked. It is the fidgeting. And that you're, you're, you know, it's such an obvious show of disrespect. And if it wasn't bad enough that you're fidgeting, then to go crack, 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 yani, you know, this is disgraceful, to be honest. Yeah, so there's no doubt about it that this is something which is reprehensible. This is disgusting. Um, and also, uh, Sheikh Uthameen said that uh, it's disturbing people who are left and right and around you as well. It is. It's the loud sound. It's disturbing. Yeah. Um, and then also, يُقْرَحْ التَّشْبِيكَ بَيْنَ الْأَصَابِعَ وَهُوَ إِدْخَالُ بَعْضَهَا فِي بَعْضَ فِي حَالِ الصَّلَاتِهِ And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam فِي مَنْ قَصَدَ الْمَسْجِدْ أَنْ لَا يُشَبِّكَنَّ بَيْنَ أَصَابِعَهُمْ Yeah, بَيْنَ أَصَابِعِهِ The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he prohibited the people to put their, their fingers amongst one another. This is the hadith which is narrated by Imam Al-Darami and Imam Al-Hakim who said that it is authentic according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim, and Sheikh Al-Bani agreed with that. And that is narrated by Imam Al-Hakim in volume 1, 327, that the Prophet ﷺ forbade yani, the intertwining of the uh, uh, fingers. For this, فَإِذَا كَانَ قَاسِدَ الْمَسْجِدِ لِلصَّلَةِ مَنْهِيًّا عَنْ تَشْبِيكَ بَيْنَ الْأَصَابِعِ فَمَنْ كَانَ فِي نَصِ الصَّلَةِ فَهُوَ أَوْلَى بِالنَّهِي the hadith actually specifies that anyone who wants to go to the masjid should not be. Yeah, that's just a disrespect to the masjid. Looks like you're bored in the masjid. It's like you're in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Show some yeah, yeah, honor, self-respect. So if a person is not even showing that in the masjid, what about in the actual prayer itself, which is of course the highest form of uh, worship? So, uh, Sheikh said that after salah there's no uh, evidence to, to prove that it's a problem. So a person could crack their knuckles and intertwine their fingers after the prayer. Um, and especially as it has been narrated that the Prophet ﷺ used to intertwine his fingers. You know, intertwining of the fingers is like a thought process, isn't it? You know, when you do this kind of thing, you know, when you, when you, it's just a natural kind of reaction. It's a natural fidget, which is okay. What's a fidget called in a positive sense? Uh, uh, a tick is a is a negative when you tick yeah when you go like that what's a fidget in a natural sense a habit nodding yeah nodding I think is a natural one but there's a word that describes a movement which is positive not a negative word Anyway, whatever. The point is, Prophet ﷺ used to do that. Okay? Um, ah. Now. So. And you know, this is the famous hadith, actually. One of my favorite hadith. In which the Prophet ﷺ did this. Narrated by Imam al-Bukhari in chapter of Salah. And the chapter, Imam al-Bukhari called it, Babu tashbik al-Asqabi' fil masjid wa ghayrihi the intertwining of the fingers in mosques and in other uh, places, okay? So, yes, Harith said, uh, the, the intertwining of the fingers is only prohibited in the prayer itself. So when you're going to the masjid to do acts of ibadah and the act of ibadah, after you finish the, what you're doing in the masjid and you finish the act of ibadah, then it's allowed. Evidence, 
the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed. يعني صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بأصحابه إحدى صلاة العشي فسلم من ركعتين ثم قام إلى خشبة معروضة في المسجد فتكأ عليها وشبك بين أصابعه شيخ أتمين actually said that this hadith is narrated when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم prayed one of the two عشي prayers which is one of the two daily prayers now in my opinion it was a ظهر prayer okay and the scholars are basically differ whether it was ظهر or عصر but it was a four rakat prayer. On the Prophet ﷺ, he made salam after two. He made a mistake. So he then, but he feels there's something wrong. And there are people, there's one person called Dulyadain, okay, amongst the companions. He's like a minor companion. And he said, is there something new? Ya Rasulullah. And like the other companions saw this as a bit disrespectful. And the Prophet ﷺ also became a bit disturbed by this kind of outburst. Yeah, you know, like everybody's quiet, you know, they just, they, they were, you know, they obviously knew something was wrong, but they were not going to say anything. And Dulyadain is like, is this a new thing then or what? You know, a bit, bit forward, isn't it, right? And so, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he stood up and he went over to one of the pillars of the masjid that was made of wood at that time. Whether it's a pillar, whether it's just a, the, a tree or it's not clear. But then he leant against it. And he, so he's, 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 he's basically leaning against it and he's, he's kind of going like this. We don't know the exact nature because tashbik is intertwining, whether he intertwined it like this or whether he, you know, what, what, what he, we don't know actually. But he intertwined his fingers as he's trying to work it out. Anyone know the end of this hadith, what he did? Yeah, he did, but you know, what did he, what did he say? Anyone know? He asked Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, is it true what this guy just said? Abu Bakr Siddiq was always his, yani, his go-to, you know? So he said to Abu Bakr, is it true what your man... And he said, not my man. He said what your guy just said. Which was yani, my favorite part, your guy. <laughs> so anyway, um, so it's allowed in the masjid, but not in the prayer. وَأَمَّا الْفَرْقَعَ فَإِنْ خَشْيَ أَنْ تَشَوِّشَ عَلَى مَنْ حَوْلَهُ إِذَا كَانَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَلَا يَفْعَلْ He goes, and as for even if you're outside the prayer, just in the masjid, but it's going to disturb other people, then he should not do it. He doesn't say haram or makro or anything like that. Uh, you know, then it's something which is, um, you know, is, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's allowed. Um, uh, if it doesn't disturb anyone. If it disturbs people, then it's not something which is good. Um, the next statement is, is that it is reprehensible, dislike to pray that he, uh, whilst that person is haqin. Haqin means someone who needs to go to the toilet. يعني أن يحتاج البول no one who used to urinate okay لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى عن الصلاة في حضرة الطعام ولا هو يدافعه الأخبثان حديث نويتي بعد ما مسلم in the book of Masajid chapter that which is disliked in the prayer from the presence of food so the hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is that he prohibited the prayer in the presence of food, naha, prohibited the prayer in the presence of food. And also when a person is fighting the two khabith, al-akhbathan, yani the, the two najas, urine and feces. Wal-hikma min dhalik, anna fi hadha dharraran badaniyan alayhi, that the wisdom behind this, of course, that there's a, a physical harm to the body. And a person yani, who makes a uh, imsak, what's, uh, what do they call that? When you stop yourself going to the toilet? 
holding yourself in? Because isn't there a phrase? It's a phrase called when you are when you need to go to the toilet and you don't. Whatever. The point is, is that that's something which is something which shouldn't. it's harmful. Your your muscles. I don't know, man. Where's the doctors, man? We should, we need we need to hear from the doctors online. Where's the phone gone? What is it that happens when you are straining your muscles, your bladder muscles? So normally that's good control. Training your muscles is good, right? Retention, yeah. And it normally is good to be able to kind of like um, have your muscles as so strong so that it requires less yani, effort and full closure. Whether it is, you know, and in some cases of incontinence, urinary incontinence and whatever, they train you physiotherapy, they train you to clench and to whatever to get your muscles yani, uh, better. So I'm guessing that there is a crossover, there's a certain level that once you get past that, then it becomes uh, dangerous, right? Uh, or harmful, actually not dangerous, harmful. So anyway, so uh, any urine which is about to come out, and I guess there's a difference between early uh, squeezing uh, to avoid urination when it's still pretty much yani, in the bladder or you know still high up, and then when it's very close to coming out, it's in the urinary tube itself, uh, in the ureter itself, then that of course is far more. Um, and Sheikh says, وَلَا الْعَصَبَ الَّتِي تَمَسَّكَ الْبَوْلِ لِأَنَّ رُبَّمَا مَا أَتَدَخُمُ الْمُثَانَ بِمَا إِنْحَقَنَ فِيهَا مِنَ الْمَا تَسْتَرْخِيَ الْأَعْصَابِ And basically what he's basically saying is that when it's that level, that close, and you're so much يعني, trying to, you're going to cause yourself uh, some damage. Anyway, so that's the 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 uh, uh, the point, and also so that's the physical damage. Then it goes the damage to the prayer, the structure of the prayer, the concentration of the prayer is gone. It's finished. I mean, you can't concentrate on salah if you're there in that much pain, and you're thinking and concentrating on that. So what's where's your actual connection to the prayer itself? So that's also not possible. He is mashghul, yani in that thing, in that nothing, and of course he should be uh, uh, focusing on that. وَإِذَا كَانَ حَاقِبًا فَهُوَ مِثْلَ So حَاقٍ is urine حَاقِب قَافْ بَا حَاقِب is when a person needs to defecate Okay, so Sheikh says that's the same Okay فَيُقْرَحَ أَنْ يُصَلِّ وَهُوَ حَابِسٌ لِلْغَائِفِ يُدَاعِفُهُ وَلَعِلَّ فِيهِ مَا قُلْنَا فِي عِلَّةِ الْحَاقِبِ Okay, both of these situations وَكَذَلِكَ إِذَا كَانَ مُحْتَبِسُ الرِّيحِ and he goes, likewise, as someone who wants to pass wind. Passing, person passing wind, he should also not pray in that situation. So it doesn't matter. The point is that he's fighting a battle against something which is desperately trying to come out, whether it's wind or feces or urine. And there's a harm in keeping it in, and it's destroying the soul and the spirit of the prayer itself. This person should go to the bathroom, don't worry about the prayer. And deal with it now. Sheikh says, let's go through some masail, some work case case-based examples. So the first one he goes is a qalqail. Yani, let's say a first scenario. A rajulun ala wudu. There's a guy he's got wudu, and he's trying his very best to not urinate, okay, and to pass wind. لكن لو قضى لو قضى حاجته لم يكن عندهما يتوضع به. So he's desperately trying to not urinate or pass wind. If he does, 
urinate or pass wind, he does not have enough water around him to make wudu. So do we say to this person in this situation, Yeah, go to the toilet, make tayammum, no problem. Or do we say, what, what's that second alternative? Pray as you are, in the state that you are, however poor quality the prayer is, just do it. What do you think? First option. First option? What do you think? What do you guys think? Yeah. Huh? Continue the prayer. Avoid TMO. I would take option two, but... Why though? Why? On what basis? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like... Uh, like the satanic whisper probably that you're not pure or something. No, no, it's not about... What do you mean not pure? He's going to urinate. What do you mean not what's worse? There's no what's worse when he goes to the toilet, I'll tell you that much. Okay, so then go to toilet one. One. Yeah, go to toilet, make the ammo. Yeah. What's your basis? Because the second option is asking to do something with the hadith. So nice, very good. So Sheikh Atameen, he says, Yani go, toilet, and make tiyammum. But don't pray whilst trying to hold back any of these scenarios, these situations. And that's because prayer with tiyammum is not disliked by consensus. Something which is completely fine. As for praying with that urge to go, that's something which everybody agrees is disliked or prohibited. Yeah? And some said straight out haram. Which is hardcore. And there were some scholars that even said that the prayer is invalidated whilst you are trying to resist the urge to go to the two toilets. Why? Because the Prophet said, uh, 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 and that's Yani. As you can imagine, that's the, our friends from the Zahiri Madhab, like Ibn Hazm. Okay, and that's narrated from him in Al-Muhalla, which is his book of fiqh, volume 4, page 46. And it's also mentioned by Al-Mardawi, uh, Al-Hanbali, uh, in the book uh, Al-Insaf, which is a more detailed book of Hanbali fiqh. There are a few scholars that said this. Why? Because the Prophet said, لا صلاة بحضرة الطعام ولا هو يدافعه الأخبثان There is no prayer for the one who praise in the midst of food and praise whilst trying to resist the urge to go to the toilet. Now, the majority understood this hadith la salata not as uh, the prayer is invalidated, but as that this is not the proper prayer. And they did that based upon the fact that the prayer, they didn't see a person repeat the prayer in this situation. So the practical application of the companions is what led them to understand the hadith like this. Otherwise, the hadith is actually Quite blatant. Alright, second scenario. If a person said, What does haqin mean? Urine. He wants to go to the toilet, wants to go for a number one. So this person, he wants to go to make urine, okay, do to urinate, but he knows that if he does, then he will miss the jama'ah, the congregation, okay? Does he pray with the congregation whilst Yani crossing his legs? Yani, metaphorically speaking, yep. Oh, he goes to the toilet 
and he misses the jama'ah. Option two. What do you think? Option two? Two. Two. Good. He goes to the toilet and he makes wudu again even if he misses the jama'ah because this is a legal excuse for him to miss the jama'ah. Okay? Uh, and if this happened even in the jama'ah, okay? وَإِذَا طَرَأَ عَلَيْهِ فِي أَثْنَاءِ فَلَهُ أَنْ يُفَارِقَ الْإِمَامِ Yeah. So we're talking about a person, if this happens to in the jama'ah, he should walk off and then make wudu and then join the end. If there's end still there, if there's no end, he prays himself. So what about the end from the beginning? Third scenario. If someone says to us, let's actually take some uh, uh, things, uh, questions. Um, why would one be intertwining one's fingers in salah anyway when the hands are not in a position to be doing so? This is why I love questions like this. Not naive questions, because there's no such thing as naive. But our sister asked a question which I think I see nearly every day. And in these countries, you see it all the time, by the way. The intertwining of the fingers. You seen that or not in Salah? You haven't seen it? You haven't seen it? In Salah? Yeah. I see it Only if they're breaking the knuckles, maybe, but not otherwise. I can tell you that now I've... By the way, this is rare in the UK. But amongst the Arabs, I don't know it's very common, but it's common. When I say common, I mean I see it I mean, I go to the masjid regularly, yes? And if I'm traveling, I like to as well. Like it has a habit. And the Arabs are the number one group of people that I see it most common in, but then that goes back to a whole a different approach to the prayer. Because, you know, the pro of the Arab prayer is that they are more involved in it. Yeah? The con is that it leads to them all over the place. Yeah? The pro of the Pakistanis Desi prayer is that they don't, they show the living amount of respect and they don't move. The con is that they have got like very little connection to it. They don't recite anything, they don't even know what's being recited. They create their own zone and they try their very best to make it a spiritual experience. But it's a bit difficult for them to connect. So, if you understand this cultural reality, then you'll know that there are certain things that are going to be very common in the Pak prayer. And there are going to be things which are common in the Arab prayer. And the Arab prayer, I've never seen a pack do this. Arabs, I can name, oh no, I can think of a hundred instances where I've seen them in the prayer like this go like that. When they're breaking the knuckles, yeah. No, they're not even breaking the knuckles. Oh, just like that. Yeah, I mean, breaking the knuckles is a natural extension. Once, yeah. once, once you're here, once you're, well, I mean, I'm just lifting my hands up for the sake of the camera. But once you're here and you're doing, they're going like this, and I've, I've seen them, I've seen people just, just doing this. In the salah, all the time, by the way, all the time. People, yeah, they just they're, they're, they're fidgeting at the end of the day. I, by the way, when I say intertwining fingers, and I even think that from the hadith as well, it's not necessarily all the time the full intertwining of the fingers. Basically, the hadith is indicating fidgeting plus some form of finger play. It doesn't have to always be a specific intertwining. Um, so yeah, although Samira asks, yeah, in ruku, the hands are on the knees, so it's not happening on the knees, no. It's not happening on knees. It's happening normally when they're standing. Okay? And the, 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 the thing is, no, it's not happening in tashahud or anything like that. Okay, spending this long thinking about urine is anti-ethical. Excellent. Yeah, very good. What if the time for prayer was about to expire? Which I think, yeah, we're going to cover that in a second. 
Uh, Zaf, why should I answer your question when he didn't give us any, any uh, 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 a doctor who's asking us about what the class position is? What do you care about the class position? Lala, tell us yani, what we want to know. What the hell is the situation of cracking knuckles, man? Useless Paki, custom man. All right, retention. It's not retention. Talk to me about my fingers. What of those who suffer with incontinence flatulence issues who often fall into cycles of repeated wudu after wudu after wudu due to issues of inability to retain? Uh, Abida, uh, I've written a paper about this. I think you know about that, right? I've written a detailed paper. Anybody who wants to, in fact, uh, Zafar or Mesa, I'm sure, will find it and put it onto. Please post it onto the uh, portal. I've written a paper which goes into the problem of istihada which is continuous irregular vaginal bleeding or uh, flatulence or incontinence, either back passage or urinary. All of these conditions, we will summarize them by putting them into the category of involuntary. And there are two classical positions, the position of the vast majority and then a position of Imam Malik. The position of the vast majority is at a situation which is out of your control and as a result of that, you have to do the best that you can and as a result of that, you need to make wudu for every single prayer. And they base this upon some, some understanding of hadith. So basically what they say is that for every wudu time, you will make a stinja, make a prayer. It doesn't matter what happens after that. Yani if you soil your clothes, if you don't, this, but you will continue. Because Allah does not bear in the soul more than it can bear. But at least for every prayer time, not prayer, prayer time period. So every three hours kind of. yeah, You make that wudu and do what you want in it. And if you unwrap yourself up clean, then, you know, and if it gets dirty, then it is. That's the position of the majority, which is good fatwa. I go a bit further. I go with what Malik said, what Ibn Taymiyyah said, and that is, is that there is no wudu to be made. There's no istinja to be made. Once you have made your wudu and istinja, once you've woken up, it doesn't matter what happens after that. The only time that you then do your wudu or istinja next is when you intentionally break it. Because wudu is a, is a voluntary action that occurs after a voluntary breaking. And everything that's happening beforehand is involuntary. It's like it's not happening. It's like you're not accountable for it. This is what Malik argued. And it's a very detailed argument actually based upon an analysis of hadith. So for those who are into hadith, then go back and go and check it out. Yes, Zakmulahar, Aisha and Mesa. Uh, correct. Every salah time. Yeah, every salah time. You, um, you make this uh, wudu. Uh, read that paper, Abid, and then tell me what you think. Right, okay. So the third mas'ala, if the time is about to run out, and right now he is trying his very best, and he's he is resisting the urge, okay? And if he was to go to the toilet, then the time will run out, and he will miss the prayer. Then um, what does he do? Does he pray as it is, or does he just yani, uh, pray for why he's desperate to go to the toilet, or not? And the answer... What do you think the answer is? He has a valid excuse, so he can pray like pray outside the time. Let me say more accurately. What do you think Sheikh Uthameen is going to say? Because the answer there, there are there are a couple of answers for this. No, I mean as a solution, not as a slap down. <laughs> Goodness me, Allah's turned into judge already, man. See. Solange is with you. Answer, why did he wait so late? Everybody's all haters, man. Would you hear a hater? Warda, yani is thingy. What do you think? So the answer is a nuanced one, and I like it. 
what Sheikh Uthameen says. He goes, إِنْ كَانَتِ تُجْمَعَ مَا بَعْدَهَا if the prayer is one of a nature that it can be combined with the one that's coming after it, so this is dhuhr we're talking about, then we know that dhuhr can be combined with asr afterwards. The time running out means the time for dhuhr is entering into asr time. And also I want to add, especially because you are students of knowledge, that between the issue of maghrib and isha, there's only two prayers that this refers to Dhuhr Asr and Maghrib and Isha. Maghrib moves into Isha in a very clear way. Yeah, and you know, very clear way, but a clear way. Because the absence of light and the onset of darkness is Isha. However, even that in some, as you know, is darkness the removal of the white twilight from the sky or is darkness the removal of the red twilight from the sky and we've covered this in detail two years ago in the prayer time in my opinion the red is enough that's the position of the majority the Abu Hanifa said no you need to leave the to remove the white as well so just the fact that Abu Hanifa has some discussion also indicates to you that it's there amongst the companions also indicates to you that it's not super obvious clear exactly when Isha starts but in general, you can see clearly. Now, Dhuhr into Asr, you think that's more clear or less clear? Less clear. Less clear. To the extent that the basis that we use is like shadows, length of shadows. In terms of color of the sky, very difficult. And what about if it's a cloudy day? And then from Dhuhr into Maghrib, it's the same color, isn't it? If it's a cloudy day, you can't tell. Only just 5-20 minutes before Maghrib do you see light leaving. Magar Asr could have started 2 hours before, 3 hours before, who knows. Now, why am I, going, why am I saying that? I'm saying that, um, as Salam said, yani because you need sticks and stuff, yani, you know, it's a process. The reason I'm mentioning this point is to say that, and this is what our teachers used to tell us, but this is not to be said to the masses, this is something that we just need to know at a scholarly level when you're trying to find a solution for someone that if a person was ever to gonna pray a prayer late it will be dhuhr because there is ijtihad and discussion about when does asr actually start and I don't just mean the fact that yeah Abu Hanifa said that it's the two shades like according to the Hanafi school or according to Abu Hanifa the time that asr starts is when the Majority consider Asr to become makruh, late. And they believe Asr starts at a time when Abu Hanifa is saying that that's still Dhuhr time. It is a very, you know, and it's not just a theoretical difference. I mean, you can see in the sky as well that there's some issues happening. So I just want to say that there's some flexibility. But, but back to our point, Sheikh is saying that if the prayer can be combined with the one next to it, so obviously... Dhuhr, if this is the issue with Dhuhr time, then we know that it can be prayed So with the Asr. So this person should go to the toilet. But before he goes to the toilet, before the time runs out, he has to, before time runs out, make the intention for Jama'ah. It's not allowed in Sharia to miss a prayer. Then after the prayer is missed, he says, yeah, I intended Jama'ah with the Asr. You've got to intend combining a prayer in its time. Then if you don't pray, then it's fine. But you've got to com uh, intend to not pray now and intend to pray it later. So this would work. 
for Dhuhr or it would work for Maghrib. So if you are running out of time to pray Dhuhr or Maghrib and you need to go to the toilet, then go to the toilet but make intention that you're going to pray with Isha or with Asr. Now, if it is Asr, Shaykh says, وَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ so if it is Fajr or it is Asr or it is Isha, then there are two positions of the scholars. The first position, that he prays in that desperate state, okay, needing to go to the toilet, and that's the, he just has it because the time is going to run out. And that's the position of the majority. The second position is that he goes to the toilet, makes wudu, and then prays afterwards, even if the time has gone. Even if the time has gone. Sheikh Uthameen says something interesting. He goes, This second position is closer to the principles of Sharia. Closer. That's definitely the, the principle of ease. Why are we putting such difficulty upon a person? Okay, so he goes, but this I'm talking about a person who is not going to wet themselves. He goes, as for a person who is bursting, يعني, and everybody knows, يعني, then of course there's no doubt about it. That person should, يعني, at all times, in every scenario, in all they go straight to the toilet. You don't pray and risk يعني, completely soiling the place and yourself and whatever. So all of these discussions that we're talking about, all these masail, are referring to a person who can hold on for the length of the prayer. Was that clear, everybody? Yeah. All right. Okay. And then the next one uh, is, أو بحضرة الطعام Okay, one second. What if someone is in the prayer, sneezes and feels a leak of urine? Okay. Would they carry on? What do you think? Feels a leak of urine. No, I think when they say that I felt the leak, I mean he felt it. I mean, why? Why would you make that up? I mean, why would you make that? Why would you? Why would you say to yourself, "I might have"? I mean, when you sneeze, it's happened or it hasn't. Yes, if it's certain, then it comes out of the prayer. If he doubts, so yeah. So anyway, the answer is is that if. He coughs and there is wetness and whatever, then he has to break the salah, has to go make wudu, has to wash that part or change that part, remove the underwear or whatever, and then restart the prayer. No doubt about that. Oh, yeah? What if he feels, I mean, uh, that there is an excretion, but they don't notice any wetness? So should that be considered a doubtful certainty? Yeah, if the person yeah, does that and they don't feel any wetness, then there's no reason to break even the prayer in the first place, right? So, it's, it, it, listen, the repetition 
of the, the, the breaking of the prayer to make wudu again is dependent upon that person believing that they've broken wudu. Not the possibility, certainty that they've broken it. And that's the wetness or that's the leak that they feel. You know what I'm saying? Alright? Uh, Shabana was saying why he waited so late. There are conditions in which people have an irritable bladder, detrusor uh, instability, where their bladder reacts inappropriately to muscle contraction. Yeah, I agree with that. I've got no idea what the point there is, but I agree with that. A convert was having trouble praying Dhahr and Asr due to the Istinja problem. Since the time is short, so I advise her that she can do Dhahr close to Asr and then pray Asr. Did I give her the right advice? Yes, you did, Embreen. Yeah, that's one of the solutions. This is actually in the Hanafi school. You know what, what they call this? In the Hanafi school, they call this Jam'u Suwari. You know, in the Hanafi school, they don't allow you to combine the prayers. They don't consider it to be something permissible. But what they do allow is pseudo-combining. Pseudo-combining means to pray the Dhuhr at the very last moment and Asr at the beginning, so it looks like they're combined. So this is exactly what you would give as a solution, easy solution. Okay, so that's very good. Hadith said combining. Is this even when not traveling? Yes, this is even when not traveling. Because it's not just traveling, which is the uh, permission to combine. It's difficulty, right? Or it's a need. It's a hajah. All right. Um, if they're not normally suffering from incontinence, then his salah is broken. Just like the one who is sure that he has passed away. Correct. All right. So Ayaz is saying that you mentioned about a person who fidgets that they shouldn't lift their foot. Is there a consequence to that? So I said, when I said lift their foot, I don't mean that if you lift your foot that the prayer is invalidated. That's not true. I'm saying that if you lift your foot and put it on the other and then you keep it there, then you are now risking lifting your level of fidgeting to the level that is now serious. Remember what we said. We said that you can determine when it's too much by a simple principle. If a person is to walk by and they will see you for half a second and carry on walking, and then someone says, hey, did you see so-and-so? And you say, yes, I did. And he was. So if you can still say that he was praying, then that's pretty much okay but if that moment when they saw your state of bodily movement xyz and they were not sure they were so we saw him standing but he was you know he was leaning against something or he was, you know they're not sure what that person was doing because they're doing so much of it then you know that definitely you're fidgeting and taking it to a level where it's too much so lifting the foot in a prayer doesn't do that okay it doesn't break the prayer completely it makes it very doubtful yeah and especially if it's gone too far now just to, on that issue what about if you're in sajda and you lift your foot. You know, you see that people, they fidget with their feet, don't they? And they're rubbing their toes together, itching their toes together, put one foot on the other the heel. What do you think? I don't think that's allowed. But again, some people are in the position to draw the full sajda, and some do it properly with both feet, and then for maybe half a second, half a second, they should scratch in So there are two situations. Some are like that for the whole sajda. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a fraction of a second. Okay, what's the consequence? What's the consequence of just a fraction of a second? Shouldn't be an issue. Shouldn't be an issue. Why shouldn't it be an issue? Because that's not a constant state. Sense. Excellent answer. Because it's not a constant state. As long as the fulfilling of the condition of the sajda at one moment has been achieved, uh, at that moment all everything was in harmony. All the limbs on the floor. Subhanallah. Right position, whatever, and then a second after, 
a foot comes up and comes down, then technically speaking, even though this is uh, uh, disliked, the prayer is valid. Alright, so that's the whole issue of the foot being raised. Also, we discussed in the Q&A, a person who joins the prayer late. If a person joins in the second or fourth raka'ah, do they make the tashahud with the imam? Let's say they join in the third. What do they say when the imam sits for tashahud in the fourth? So the answer to your question, Ayaz, is that you do recite. There is no simple rule. There is no part of the prayer where you remain silent. Even if you know that you're about to get up. So you join the imam in the fourth raka'ah, he's sitting down on the floor. Why? And you're thinking, well, you know what? There's no point in me reciting this because, you know, I'm going to get up and recite this again. No. You recite. It's like when you join the Imam with only one second to go, you start Alhamdulillah. The Imam goes, Allahu Akbar. You go, Allahu Akbar as well. It's just like, yeah, I know when the position is, is that when you come to the Salah and they're in Sajda and you know he's going to get up, I can't go all the way back down just to get back up again. You go all the way down. So all of this, I yeah, need the effort and the words are put in regardless of what, what the situation is. Uh, the class position needing toilet, makru or invalidates the prayer? It is makru. The class position is that it is disliked, like the majority of the scholars, okay? Just exactly as thingy. Yasmin asks, how does one pray a ruku or sujood when sitting on a chair, as I see my elders want to make sure that they are doing it correctly? I know that you have covered this in detail. You're right, Yasmin, we have. But please guide me on this bit, please. Okay, well, I'll just simply say that uh, how you pray on a chair, in a summary, is that you must stand unless you are completely unable to stand and then you must go into ruku'ah because there's no reason that any person cannot go into ruku'ah unless there's some dizziness problem or some yani, pressure problem or some back problem, correct? Okay, normally when people need a chair it's because they can't sit down but they can go for ruku'ah then you stand back up again and then you sit in the chair and once you've sat in the chair like I'm sitting on the chair then everything is then pseudo metaphorical so the hands would come out and you'd just lean forward and you would not your hands would not touch any surface subhanallah etc then you go allahu akbar put your hands on your knees then you go back forward again allahu akbar and so on and so forth and then you would stand back up again if a person is too weak now too old to now stand back up again because they've sat down and they remain there they put their hands there and they recite the fatiha like normal then allahu akbar and at that point, my moment in the chair, they put their hands out, but lower and not so far forward. Then the hands go a bit further forward. So a little bit of differences between them. That's how you pray on a chair. And there's a lot more detail to that. Um, okay, and to just finish off this little section, how long has this been going? Oh, long. Okay, and then for the, in the presence of food, uh, this is interesting, right? Not just food, but ones that he likes, which is good, because yeah, if they got bengan over there, yeah, or they got gopi, yeah, they would pray tarawih, no problem. You know what I'm saying? Or they got bloody karele. Oh my God! You know, limit. If your mom's cooking karele and you smell that, you're thinking to yourself, and they, you know, they're gonna come for dinner, and you're thinking, I'm gonna pray now to Hajjud for the next six hours. <laughs> you know, the, you know what the propaganda of our recent times is: this idea that you can make karele taste nice. Yeah. I think this is propaganda. <laughs> they said no, we can put kima in it, and we can put, or we cook it. This, I think the biggest insult is no, no, no. Your mom doesn't know how to cook it. If you cook it right, then it tastes nice. 
complete lies propaganda. Propaganda. Karele, what called what in English? Bitter gourd? Bitter gourd. Or gourd. I think it's gourd. Where's Luti Lutz? Don't tell me Luti Lutz has given up on your yeah, old English. I look good in your old English, man. I'm alright. I look, at, at least the picture now looks as old as I do. Luti Lutz, is it bitter gourd? Number one? Or is it bitter gourd? Number two? Where's your, your old English uh, speakers? Anyway, so this is food which you like. Let's actually read that, then we can take some of the questions online. So it is dislike to pray in the presence of food. It's not good. It's oh my god. Oh my god. It's not good. It's ga It's not good. Gaud. Number two. Gord. No, it's gaud. No. <laughs> There's two funny things I've just read. Number one, Lutz, because yeah, I need, you know, because of everything that Lutz writes is absolutely hilarious. It's actually number one, but it tastes like number two. <laughs> That's genius. But what's even funnier than that is Shazad trying to teach me English. That's the funniest thing here. <laughs> Shazad, you're telling me what number one is right, number two is correct. Shut up, Shazad. Go back and just, just press record on the button, man. Daddy tell me about how, what was it? Oh, fish. Like I take my English language any from you. What did we say? Bitter gourd? No, it's bitter gourd, number one, bitter gourd, or bitter gourd. Lala, do the uh, uh, thingy, man. Google? Yeah, no, uh, just yeah, t type in gourd, G-O-U-R-D, yeah, and uh, you, you'll see a definition of it with a speaker. The suggestion shows pronunciation. Ah, pronunciation, yeah. But then we're going to have all this whole nonsense about American one. And intentions. Is it? South US, yeah. UK. Where's the suggestion? But I've always heard people say gold. Oh, that's the wrong Shazad. <laughs> <laughs> that was Dr. Shazad. Sorry, sorry. My apologies, Dr. Shazad. I mean. Huh? YouTube ad. <laughs> oh, it's the ad. I want to hear it in my own ears. Come on. Good. Good. Bitter good. Enfant. Yeah. Rehana said it. It's one. Trust you, man. I trust you, bro. Good. Gout. Gout. Good. It's good. It's good. Bitter good. What's the other option? Gout. Yeah. It tastes like gout. It is uh, good. And Dr. Shazad, I mean, Shazad, can you change your name, please? Yani, you can't take on Dr. Shazad Salim's name, okay? It's Shazad, you should put Shazad Amin. I would respect Yani his correcting because he's an academic, mashallah. But he puts on Shazad, same spelling as our boy Shaz. Shaz, Yani had to come, yani, Shazad, I just want to maaf karna, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, yeah, that I, uh, I, I insulted uh, you. I don't actually don't even know who I insulted, Yani, him or the other one. Anyway. So if that is cooking, then this karaha is not in place. Sheikh Uthameen says the two condition is that the food must be ready, not ready there, and it's got to be something that you like. Sheikh says it's got to be a third condition as well. That you're hungry. 
that's a good point actually. No, no, I, I, that, that, that's covered by I want it. Okay. Yeah? When you say I want it, tishtahi, I desire it, it means that I'm hungry and I like it. Yeah, but good point. There's a third condition. What's the third condition? It's a very good point actually. Think outside the box. Come on guys, online. Third condition. What do you think? That's a disaster, man. If that's the condition that it has to be cooked by your wife, what about those people yani, who have got yani, wives who can't cook at all? What's that going to mean? They're going to be praying all day and night. At least yani, if we have a wife who can cook, you know, we've got some excuse to keep yani, you know, our prayers controlled. You're not fasting, that it is served, you can smell it. Excellent. Mesa got it bang on. You have access to it. I think Mesa's cheating though. I think she's looking at the text. Mesa, were you cheating? Be honest. The third condition is that you must be able to actually get to it. So it's not a point yani, if you know, you're know you in some uh, fancy restaurant going past next to it. And you know, it's 300 quid, but yeah, any whatever. Basically everywhere in Dubai, basically. Yeah? All, right? All the places that Wajih won't take me to. Yeah? Instead he wants us, instead he says, this is not Dubai or not Dubai. What the hell is not Dubai? This is Dubai. This is the Dubai I know and love. And this is the food, 300 quid. And she said, you know, I just want you to know that I haven't had any Fugera I've been here. I've had no Brazilian steak that I've been here. What I've had is basically Subways and Shake Shack. And that's it. Like a Pandu, basically. I'm living like a Pandu in Dubai. That's what's the point coming to Dubai if I live like a Pandu. That's the problem. My host, uh, Shazad, what can I tell you? are not in Dubai. They keep saying to me that I'm not flipping... I'm not in Dubai. Anyway, you've got to be able to get it. The first condition is that the food is on the table, it's ready. Second condition, table, that the food must be, um, uh, that you like it. And the third is that you are able to actually get it. You are able to actually, it's something which is in your ability to achieve, to know what, and consume. All three conditions have to be there if you are going to delay your prayer and eat the food first. This is the point. If one of these conditions are not there, then you don't have the... According to the Hanbalis, then you, uh, it is the... Then, uh, then what? Then you don't have the excuse to be delaying the prayer. So you're saying, what if a person's hungry, but they don't have any food, they don't have anything? He's hungry, but the food is not ready. Okay, so, so then what, so what, what will uh, not praying do then? He's going to be hungry if he prays or doesn't pray. But won't the hunger, I mean, create desire for the food and spoil his concentration? Tika, uh, yeah, but the food's not ready, so what does it matter? It can be ready in five minutes. Ah. Five minutes. So then, just if it's if it's ready in five, the if 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 the food is going to be ready in five minutes, then it's not going to affect the ruling anyway, right? If it's an issue of time, if it's going to be in uh, down the line, where it will possibly lead to missing the salat, that's when it becomes serious. Yeah, so the idea would be that if the food is not ready. 
then you've got enough time to pray anyway whilst it's getting ready, etc. The real issue about here is that your mind is being dominated by the food. That's what my point is. So your mind is not... Would, you, would it be fair to say that if a food is not ready, your mind is not dominated by it as much as it is when it is ready? But my mind will... There's a, there's a gradual... There's a, there's a... You know, there's a... a differing levels. Okay. Definitely. And at some point, there's going to be some... You know, ishtihad having to be made. But I think what this point is referring to is when it's clear that this food is there, it's available, it's yours. See, Solange says, you know, doesn't want number condition one, necessitate three. No, it doesn't. Food being ready on the table, it might not be your table. The point is that the food is available. It might not be yours to eat. You might not, you might be waiting for an invitation, for example. You might not have permission to eat. The food might be ready. So it's, number one does not, yeah, I need, uh, uh, access number three, accessible to the person, means that they have accessible, accessible in every sense, legally accessible, practically accessible, finance, financially accessible. Okay, so this is why I love Marina. Marina Yani is is like she wants to make sure that we get all the genders right. She's saying Yani, instead of worrying about whether your mum can cook karela, worry about whether you can cook karela. I like that. You see. She just doesn't want any women to be involved in the cooking process. She wants equal people involved in the cooking process. So let me just explain to Marina that I will never cook karela in my life. So I'll never have to worry about the cooking of karela. So if you're going to say about me, it's never going to happen. Because I'm never going to cook it. That's why I said my mom cooking karela. Because she likes karela. And she's the one who cooks karela. Which is why I use her as an example, Marina. Without Marina... We wouldn't even know that there's a concept of men cooking. That's why I like Marina to be in the lessons. Yes. She reminds us that, yeah, you know what? You guys can cook as well. Gender parity. Gender parity in cooking, very important for Marina. Like it's her life jihad. And everybody has to have a life jihad. Sachi girl, as we say. So, Sheikh then finish, uh, says... Let's finish this point. Come on now. فَإِن لَمْ يَحْضَرَ الطَّعَامِ So if the food is not ready, now to answer all your questions. Okay, we're going to just, uh, just one second. Yani, uh, obviously, Lutz has now gone all on to a whole pan and the whole Bengali thing. You know, she's got pan in her teeth and everything. Just, just, just one second. Okay. If food is not ready, but he is hungry, the prayer is not delayed. Because if we said that, then the poor person will never pray ever again. The hungry person will never ever pray again. The poor person is always hungry. Never got enough to cover his satisfaction. And his, always his desire is to get food. The food being there is one thing. And the fact that a person's hunger or hungry and so on. Uh, Ibrahim, you missed this. I mean, this is not art movie. We, I'm, I'm recording this in the 1800s, Lala. Anyway, now, that's one. وَلَوْ كَانَ الطَّعَامُ حَاضِرًا وَلَكِنَّهُ الشَّبْعَانُ لَا يَحْتَمُ بِهِ فَلْيُصَلِّي Second scenario. If the food is on the table but he's not hungry, then he prays. Because he's full. He's full. Then he prays. There is no karaha in praying 
because the food is on the table. Because it's not the food on the table which is the problem, it's his desire for the food on the table, which is making the salah makruh. I think we can all understand that, yeah? Likewise, Shaykh says, وَكَذَلِكَ لَوْ حَضْرَ الطَّعَامْ لَكِنَّهُ مَمْنُوعْ مِنْهُ شَرْعًا أَوْ حِسًّا This is, Solange, what is what you're looking for. So the food is on the table, but you are prohibited from it practically and legally. Legally, for example, the person is fasting. If the food is on the table and you're fasting, right? So that's why the condition one and three are different. Alright. Um, so the time is Salat al-Asr time, but the iftar is on the table. What's he going to do? He's very, very hungry. We can't say to him, okay, don't pray Asr until you eat after Maghrib. Okay? So he goes, also, if someone is fasting and the food is made for someone else, it's not for him anyway, and he's fasting. And Food is brought on a table. What's the classic example of this? It happened to me recently. Certain brands of pizza. Certain brands. And I'm just trying to remember which one was it. I'm pretty sure it's Pizza Hut. Okay? More thicker, more, uh, you know, whatever. They remain super hot. Oh, I've got the best example. McDonald's bloody apple pie. Now, if you guys, I know you guys are all Sharif people, yeah, you don't do that kind of stuff. It's not even in Dubai. You know, if you ask Waji, there's no apple pies in, in, in Dubai. But to all the normal human beings online, we all know that the deadliest food item in the history of all food items is the McDonald's apple pie. So much so it has a bloody warning on it. It goes, caution contents are flipping boiling hot. It actually says, if you read it in between properly, it says, caution, this food will kill you if you don't wait 10 minutes, basically. That's what it says. So if you put and eat this food, and you bite into that, you will, you, oh my, you will kill yourself. So what Sheikh Uthameen says is, if that is put on the table, it's on the table, you're allowed to have it, you're physically there, it's great, you love it, do you delay, is it makroh for you to pray? Answer, no. Because you can't eat it at that moment. It's too hot anyway. This is what they call mamnu' hissi. Practically, you are prohibited from that food. You take, you can't even, you just can't do it. You understand? So Sheikh says that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't wait until it becomes cold. Then he eats it. Then he prays. No, yusalli. Wala tukrah salah. He prays. The prayer is not uh, hated. Because waiting for it, it has no benefit. Okay, molten lava. No, no, don't pretend, yeah, I know you've never seen molten lava cake in your life. There's no such thing about that yani, in, the, in the deserts in, for the, for the Badu. Okay? That molten lava is the food of Dubai, Asl Dubai down there. Yeah? That's the, that's the Asl civilized Dubai, molten lava cake chocolate. Allah! Isn't there a hadith about this as well? That you shouldn't eat uh, if there's uh, food in the Correct, you don't blow on the food, you wait for the food to 
But so waiting, I mean, that's if you, that, that tahrif nothing to do with prayer. So, that, so, so we generally have the principle that you don't burn yourself with food or try to eat very quickly. Is it just for medical reasons so that you don't harm yourself? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, but now we're applying those common sense, mm -hmm. logical reasons to the principle in fiqh that the, to get the issue, it has to be food that is, can be eaten and wants to be eaten immediately. He also says, كَذَلِكَ لَوْ أُحْدِرْ so he has food in his house, cooked by his wife, put on the table, but then the Zalim ruler comes in and says that you touch that food, I'm going to kill you. So he's been prohibited from his own flipping food. Sheikh says that in this scenario, it is not makruh to pray because even if he doesn't pray, he can't eat the food. So what's the point? So he prays. You get the point? Fair enough, isn't it? He goes, anyway, the summary of the situation is that we have three conditions. Hudur al-ta'am. Food has to be available. Yani that this, the, 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 there's got to be a desire to eat it and want to eat it. And there has to be an ability to eat it both legally and both practically. And the evidence for all of this is la salata bi ta'amin wala wa al-akhbathan. That the prayer said, like, there's no prayer for the one whose food is present and the one who is trying to resist the urge to go and do the two things. Um, to finish, the Sheikh says, however, even though this hadith is very clear, the, the statement of our author indicates that this is makruh. Okay. La salata. Is this indicating nafi kamal or nafi siha? When you say there's no prayer, are we indicating that it's no prayer, meaning it's not the best prayer? It's not a complete prayer? Actually, that's the exact word, not a complete prayer. Or there is no prayer, is it invalidated? There's not even a prayer even offered. Which one of the two? Jamhuru ahlil ilm ala annahu nafi kamal. The vast majority of the scholars said that it is not a complete prayer. Okay? And if he prays, then the prayer is correct. Alright? And that's the only mentioned by Imam al-Nawawi in Al-Majmu'ah. With that, that is Al-Majmu'ah at the bottom of Imam al-Nawawi. Some of the scholars said, No, this is a negating of the prayer. It is invalidating. He said that they, they said that if a person is so hungry or so yani, consumed by preventing the resisting the urge to pray to the level that he doesn't even know what he's saying, then his prayer is invalidated. And the reason for that is because in a surah fiqh a denial, there is no, this statement, in principle indicates validity, not completion. It, in principle, when that wording is used, that there is no, there is no, that means validity. Okay? 
So the prayer now in this state becomes haram. And every, because every negated act, invalid, invalid act in an act of worship is intrinsically haram as well. Remember, invalidation is different from haram. Haram means you sin, but it doesn't necessarily mean invalidated. So for example, someone who's fasting and he backbites. This is haram, but it doesn't break the fast. But, and likewise in a salah, there are things which are haram that don't break the prayer. However, everything which breaks the prayer or breaks an act of worship or invalidates it is haram. So not every haram is an invalidator, but every invalidator is haram. Does that make sense? So sin and invalidation are two separate things. So Sheikh says that there's no doubt that this will be haram to then do like this, as well as the fact that it breaks the prayer as well, because it is nafi. لأنه يشبه يكون مستهزئا حيث تلبس بعبادته يعلم أنها محرمة وكل من القولين قوي جدا. And so Sheikh Uthameen concludes. He says that, and there's the reason that this is something which is haram, is because this person is mocking the prayer. He knows that it's something which invalidates it, and yet he continues to do it. Therefore, it's mocking. That's why it's haram. Sheikh Uthameen concludes and says, doesn't help us at all. He says, and both opinions are very strong. Which they are, of course. That is makruh and it's The class position is makruh. Even though we should act practically like it's haram. Practically we should act like it is haram. But we go with the majority of scholars and we consider it to be makruh. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. We don't want to continue more with that. Just need to, to mark that. That we ended with the Fatiha. And then we'll just take some final questions. Anything here with you guys? Alright, let's just then get on to this then. So they said, uh, you said, don't knock, uh, blah, blah, blah. Scenario three is possible. Yep, that's good. That's good. And then, right. You said that we are talking about people who can control their urge to go to the toilet. Who, surely their illa is more to do with disrespecting the prayer and fidgeting. So if a person is able to control his urge and he has a really good control, then it, that it doesn't distract you in the prayer. Is it still makruh for him to pray that prayer in that state? That's a very good question. Okay, and the answer is, is that yes, if a person is able to control the urge like as if it is normal, in that it doesn't harm the body. Because it's not allowed to intentionally harm your body. Okay, but let's say it doesn't. But also it has no impact upon him in the prayer because he's quite used to it and he's very much in control and it is not disliked. Correct. Okay, right. Um... What if there's no food around but you're hungry and the mind wanders but you're trying to stay focused? Does it invalidate the prayer? No, it doesn't invalidate the prayer. That does not invalidate the prayer because it has nothing to do with any hadith or anything. In fact, that's the state of every single person who prays, what you just described there. And otherwise, what you're basically saying is that all of us, yani, our prayers are invalidated. Okay. Is it okay to pray whilst having remnants of food in your mouth? Let, i.e., if praying Maghrib straight after eating a date and the sweetness is still lingering on your buds and maybe a bit of kajur was stuck in your teeth. This is important because many people do it. And that's why it should be, your mouth should be rinsed. Many people do that. That's the best thing to do. However, let's say a person didn't. Is the prayer invalidated? Is it defined as eating? The answer is no. And that is because there is a difference between significant and insignificant. And the food which is in a person's mouth as remnants, and this is huge, you know, still chewing when he starts, yeah. But little bits here and there, this is not called significant. Okay? This is... 
Uh, hold on, this video is reconnecting. Dollar. One second, what's happening here? Oops, gone offline. Why did that happen? Are we back, folks? Tell me if we're back, because I think we're back. It's back. You're damn right, I ran out of data name. Just make sure you tell these ungrateful Pakistani what I do for the dads. Custom, off my phone data. Off my phone data, because I couldn't trust the Wi Fi. Any customer. Alright, anyway, so I was saying, what was I saying? What was the exact words? Yeah, so I was saying that the the food that is in between the teeth, which is insignificant, a little bit of that goes, that's something, that's something which goes in, this is not considered eating. And the last plankton knows best. That's the position with the majority. Okay? Um, why on eating a camel meat spoon? I forget that, you're going to laugh, but we answered that many times. And that is because the food, that's the last we heard. Okay, and I think that's it. I think we've, ca oh, oh no, sorry. Um, how... Why is this point about food being served mentioned in the section of dislike matters in a prayer? Or are we doing dislike matters related to the prayer? We are doing dislike matters related to the prayer. That's correct. How long of a delay would be acceptable? As in, if a seven-course meal is being laid out and you would be eating for an hour, should you just eat a bit and pray? Or do you go all out first? <laughs> sick question. I think that's Dr. Silvani. Yeah, he's sick, guys. My kind of bandaya. He's thinking in my kind... He's thinking... Like, I should be in Dubai. This is why I like Salman. He's thinking that Lala's gone to Dubai, and there are people out there that are going to be showing him real Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> and real Dubai has got to be at least six courses, seven courses. And what do I get? I get a couple of, I got a couple of wings there at the, at the thingy. That's what they took me to wings. Or done a kebab or whatever, whatnot. And next door to Foguera, Brazilian Yanni Steakhouse Extraordinaire. What do I have? I have bloody wings. <laughs> and Subway. I had a Subway pizza thingy. In actual fact, let me tell you something. For the first two days, I was eating al-bayt that I bought <laughs> in the airport. In, in Jeddah airport. I bought three wraps. How do you do that? Two burgers, three wraps, and I wrapped it up nice and tight. And then when I got here, then in the evening, I had one. Then I had one yesterday, and I had one today. Because I'm a, I'm a poor guy. No one looks after me at all. Forget I wish. Texas to Brazil, I wish. Fogo de Chao, I wish. Bloody hell. Anyway. So the answer to that question is that you are eating that which takes the desire away. So you can't be sitting there for seven courses and all the rest of it. Um, especially if the time prayer is running out. If the time prayer is not running out, then knock yourself out. Sheikh, our home is really small and the kitchen is in the same space as where we pray. Is it enough to leave the plated food on the counter? Or do we always need to eat before we pray if we are hungry? If so, cooking will have to wait all the time. So the layout is that the kitchen ends at the counter adjacent to the dinner table, adjacent to the prayer space. Nope, there's nowhere else to pray at home. So this is a good question. Uh, her point basically is that there will never be time to pray at any time then because there's food always being prepared. And I think what's important is that we have to differentiate between the preparation of food and the final product. 
because if you're preparing the food, you can nibble and you can do X, Y, Z. If you're fasting, then you can't eat anyway. So this is about a person. This is not referring to the preparation of food. Okay. Uh, if you're so cooking, one doesn't have to wait. Cooking occurs all the time. Marina, please. Uh, sorry, Solange, please don't say cooking. Yani, because I don't talk about. Please say that my husband is cooking because Marina's gonna have a heart attack. Yani, you know, if you don't say that, say your husband is cooking, because I don't want anybody to think that it's just you who's cooking. Because I know Solange, you love cooking and it's great, and you're proud of that. But Marina might get upset. Yani, I think you should add, if my husband is cooking, and then everybody is relaxed. Don't take it personal, Marina. You know what I mean? Oh my God, is that still okay? That's still alive. Yeah. Okay. I think they didn't hear the part about the uh, marina. That's the main thing is that they didn't hear about the husband. Right. And the last part is about answering the question. We said that, we did that. Yep. So it's allowed to eat, to pray, and whilst the cooking is occurred. Um, there was a hadith you mentioned in person about nobody was being sold, being ripped out of their body. I was hadith mentioned in person about nobody was no no this is uh what this is not a hadith uh this is um uh oh yeah that, that's a, a eye of quran hamza you heard it yeah that's the only thing that matters or, or maybe the only thing that matters is whether marina heard it or not and whether she needs to correct you and solange well done solange he does a lot of the cooking all right guys that's enough we've been here long enough and it's like about something at five o'clock in the morning or something but Subhanakallah wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik back in shido next week take care assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah all right zakmul guys for attending and 